thank you for joining us tonight at the POS midweek service. We're thankful that you are here, wherever you are, at your home or, or who you are with. We're grateful that you are here and we're here to study the Word of God and, and see what God has for us tonight. So I greet you in Jesus' name. Let's just pray before we start. Lord, we thank you for this wonderful day. We thank you for your grace and your mercy. We're asking you, Lord, you said in your word that where two or three are gathered together in your name, you are there in our midst, oh God. And even though we are not physically together, God, your spirit is with us wherever we are. We pray your presence be with us. Help us, oh God, to study your word and learn and grow in you tonight, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Amen. So tonight we're going to look at an um, important subject of a person's identity, especially our, specifically our identity in Christ. And we know a person's identity is formed and shaped through their life, through experiences, relationships, the culture they grew up and live in, social media and in the world in general. Our world is experiencing a time of crisis right now. The loss of jobs, loss of health and change in the way we have done life for many years have all, all these things have now become a reality and a challenge. And it is in times like these that sometimes we question who we really are. Many people define themselves in relation to their relationships, their mother, father, daughter, son, wife, husband, or they define themselves in relation to their profession, doctor, teacher, singer, pastor, artist. However, these are titles and do not reveal who a person truly is. Many times people are known by their accomplishments. Who they are is directly related to their success or failure. So in times like these, where we're experiencing now where the 2020 catchphrase is social distancing and there are restrictions and limits on what we can do, the very foundation of our identity can be shaken. I understand that there is not much else except the coronavirus reported on the news and on social media platforms. So I don't want to add to that tonight. But what I do want to bring out is that because of all the social distancing taking place right now, there are people who are questioning themselves as to who they really are. And one of the main reasons for this is because the primary source of their self-worth or their self-value is usually drawn from either what they do, who needs them, or the affirmation and attention of others. And these things are not necessarily part of our life right now. Not knowing our identity can often occur due to big changes or stresses in life, which we are experiencing right now. A balanced, God-oriented sense of self isn't possible when we place our identity in external things, whether they are material things or in other humans. Because, as we know, the Bible tells us that everything except God is temporal and at some point will pass. Knowing our identity in Christ is a fundamental truth that each of us needs to understand. So who are we in Christ? Our first verse that we want to look at tonight is found in 1 Peter 2 and 9. And this is what the Bible says. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, 
a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him that has called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Amen. We are God's children, according to John 1 and 12. We are God's friends, according to John 15, 15. We have been justified and redeemed, Romans 3, 24 tells us that. We are joint heirs with Christ, Romans 8, 17. We are victorious in Christ. 2 Corinthians 2.14. We are new creatures in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.17. We are chosen, we are holy and blameless before God, according to Ephesians 1.4. And we are loved unconditionally, according to 1 John 4.10. So here's a question to I want you to each ask yourself tonight. Self, who am I? That seems to be a pretty straightforward question with a straightforward answer. Or is it that straightforward? But who are we really? What does it matter if I know who I really am? Does it matter if I know what my identity is according to God? It actually matters very much. Why? The Bible says in Proverbs 23, 7, For as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So what I think I am, I will be. If we want to grow in our relationship with God, if we want our life to have significance, knowing who we are matters. The value of knowing our identity is that with knowing comes purpose. Amen. Have you ever thought of how God sees you? That is what really matters. That is the most important image of anyone that can think of who I am is what God thinks of me. If I see myself as God sees me, I will live my life different than the way I live it right now. My actions, my behaviors, my words, and the way I view my purpose in life will be different. Change requires surrender. Surrendering of our will to God's will. Being willing to surrender our truth to God's truth. Ultimately, no matter what everyone else is doing, I am responsible for me and you are responsible for you. I am responsible for my actions, my behaviors, my words and my destiny especially during this time when we are socially distant. I need to take responsibility to make sure that I am being fed spiritually and being consistent in my spiritual walk. It's not a matter of, well, you know, if I don't go to church, so-and-so is going to notice that I'm not there. Or if I don't do this, so-and-so is going to see it. That's not possible right now. So every one single one of us right now needs to take the, the responsibility that I am responsible for me. I am responsible for my spiritual walk and in this study tonight we're going to look at the word responsible and use it as an acronym so let's begin the first one is R and that stands for respect respecting yourself is very important if you don't respect yourself you won't respect others 
In Matthew 22, Jesus was asked, what was the greatest commandment of all? And this is what he said. He said unto them, thou shalt love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it, thou shalt love your neighbor as yourself. How can I love others if I don't love myself? How can I have respect for others if I don't respect myself? So what is respect? One of the meanings of the word respect is value. You need to value yourself. Why? Because you were made in the image of God. Amen. That's something to rejoice about. That each one of us was made in the image of God. That gives you value. Amen. Consider that God created the earth. We have, he, you, we, he created the beauty, the grandeur, the animals. Look around the earth and God created them all. But we were the only ones that God created in his image. Amen. God did not give that to any other creature that he created but you and I. That gives you and I value that you and I were created in God's image. Amen. We have just celebrated Easter and I pray that you are able to celebrate it just as, as much as when we are all together, that we, we rejoice in God's resurrection in the day that on Sunday when Jesus, as we know it, resurrected. Amen. But God's love and his value of you was why Jesus was willing to go to the cross and die to redeem you and I. John 3.16 tells us, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. The word world in that scripture doesn't mean the earth, but it means you and I. God so loved you and I that he wrapped himself in flesh and came and gave his life to redeem us. Amen. Hallelujah. It is the enemy of our soul that distorts truth and lies to us and tells us that we are not worth anything, that our opinion doesn't matter, that nobody cares whether we live or we die. They are lies from the enemy who tries to deceive, deceive us. These lies must be challenged and refuted in our mind using the word of God. Many times the identity battle that each one of us faces in our mind. That's why the Bible speaks to us as believers in Romans 12, that once we come to God, our mind still needs renewing. And be not conformed to this world, it says, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Amen. Our minds are transformed when we believe the word of God over every other voice in our mind. Firstly, we need to believe that the word of God is truth. Amen. That, it, that is what will set us free and bring transformation. Transformation depends on the renewing of our mind and the power of God. Encountering truth will set you free. The word transformed in Romans 12, two, 12 and 2 comes from the Greek word metamorpho. 
The best way I can describe this is what occurs in the life of a caterpillar. The process of them transforming, forming from a caterpillar to a butterfly is a process of metamorphosis. Have you ever watched how the, the, this process occurs? It's fascinating. It is a slow process, but eventually the caterpillar becomes a butterfly. The Bible describes this as our mind over time as we allow the Word of God to take hold in our lives and we believe and live out its truth in regards to who we are in Christ. We are transformed. Amen. Our identity becomes what God desires it to become. Secondly, it is speaking the Word of God out loud to refute the lies of the enemy. When Satan tempted Jesus, he, Jesus responded by quoting the word. And if it's good enough for Jesus to do, it's good enough for me. Amen. The word of God is alive. It is powerful. My words have no power. But when my words are the words of God's truth, there is power in them. There is power to speak life. There is power to overcome Satan, the Bible says, through the power of my testimony Amen. Respecting yourself means creating boundaries for your life, knowing what you will or won't do, being able to say no to the demands of others that cut across your morals or your beliefs, resisting the temptations of Satan because it crosses your boundary. I need to respect others because they also are made in the image of God. I need to respect others by not manipulating them through guilt or my behavior to force them to cross their boundaries or making demands on them that are unreasonable or basing my behavior, my actions or my emotional state on the actions or behaviors of others. As we go through this study tonight, there are some questions that I want you to write down and for you to explore them in the coming days. So the first question is, what boundaries do I have in my life? What boundaries do I have in my life? So we just did R for respect. And the second one, E, is, is equipping. To equip someone is to give them training or furnish them with what they need to do a certain task. How do I come to find out who I am? Anytime you find yourself in a crisis, you will come to know who you really are. In a time of stress, humans revert back to their greatest strength. Who knows you better than anybody else? God does. He said in Psalm 139, the Bible says, Search me, David. King David said, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. David asked God to search his heart. Sometimes we don't know. If, we don't even know what's in our heart. If we truly ask God, he will show us. Sometimes it's not very nice and we don't want to believe it. It's like when you do those temperament tests or exercises. We don't want to admit the negative traits of our personality. So we choose answers that will soften the outcome. 
But Jeremiah 17, 9 explains to us that our heart is deceitful above all things. That's why we need God to search us so we will know what there is within our heart. So what do I need to do to equip myself? I need to know me, to allow God to search me and show me who I truly am and allow him to change me to become more like him. God will show you because he desires you to be like him. God shows us what's in our heart through our everyday experiences. How we react to what he shows us is what has the potential to help us grow spiritually and grow closer to him. In our everyday things, whether how we, how we respond to people in the grocery store or when we're driving or, or our spouse or, or our children, these are the everyday experiences that God allows in our life to help us, to equip us to become more like him. As I always say, there is nothing that happens in our life that God doesn't know about. God's goal is character transformation in each one of our lives. How can our character be changed if we don't know what needs changing? The Bible and, uh, and prayer are tools that we can use to equip us. That is why prayer and reading of the word are so important. Don't take them for granted. The ministering of the word is another way that God equips us. He has also given us the armor of God, which is explained to us in Ephesians 6 for our protection. And I wonder tonight how many of us can quote what the armor of God actually is. Even more so, I wonder how many of us actually avail ourselves of the armor of God that God has provided. You and I don't fight flesh and blood, the Bible says, but we fight principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness in high places. We cast down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. That's why we need our spiritual armor. Put on the helmet of salvation. Put on the breastplate of righteousness. Gird your loins with truth. Shed your feet with the preparation of the gospel. Take the shield of faith and the sword of the spirit. Amen. How does faith come? The Bible says that faith comes by the hearing of the word of God out of our own mouth and out of the mouth of others through the preaching and the teaching of the word of God. Amen. So our question number two is, do I look at each day as a new day for God to use my day-to-day experiences to equip me? Do I use, do I look at each day as a new day for God to use my day-to-day experiences to equip me. The next letter is S, self-examination. The Bible tells us that if we would judge ourselves, we won't be judged. We cannot correct what we are not willing to confront. By nature, each one of us is selfish and self-centered. My carnal nature drives me to be more concerned about myself than anyone else. For you and me to discover who we really are, we need to examine ourselves. By examining our actions, our behaviours and questioning why we do what we do, we will discover our motives. 
understand that God will never remove from you what keeps you examining your heart. So what do I examine myself against? The Word of God. Jesus in the Gospels, his interaction with people, those that loved him and those that didn't love him. Examining yourself when everything is going well is not that helpful. But examining yourself after an argument with your spouse or with a work colleague or with a friend would be more beneficial. Regardless whether you are in the right, it takes two to make an argument. Amen. And I heard everybody in cyberspace say amen. And once you have come down and put away your boxing gloves, I believe that God will be pleased if we will examine our behavior. This is a positive way of discovering what is the center of our heart. Amen. A question for us to, to explore. When was the last time I examined my heart? Amen. The next one is P for priorities. What are your priorities in life? Do you know? To discover who I am, I need to look at what my priorities are. The Bible says, for where your treasure is, there will be your heart, which that means your mind, your will and emotions. That's where they will be also. There is that, that's where your time and your money and your energy usually go. So what should my priorities be? My relationship with God my relationship with my family, my relationship with my church family, my commitment to my employer, my commitment to God through giving of my tithes and my offerings, being healthy physically, emotionally and spiritually, physically eating right, everybody said amen, exercising, getting enough sleep, emotionally having a balanced life, time for friends and for laughter, which I understand at present is not physically possible, but we can still use modern technology to call, video call, worship together, pray together, stay connected together as is our theme for 2020, and spiritually healthy, praying, reading your word, fasting, evangelizing, being involved in your local church, being a worshiper. These are all part of being spiritually healthy. Amen. So the question is, what are my five top priorities in life? Amen. Next we go to O. O is for honesty. I know the H is silent, but O is for honesty. To discover who we really are, we need to be honest with ourselves and with others. If we cannot be honest with ourselves, we will find it difficult to be honest with others. This is what Psalm 51 verse 6 says, Behold, you desire truth in the inner parts, and in the hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom. God desires us to be honest with ourselves. So how can I be honest with myself? Not pretending to be someone I am not. Being the same person when I'm on my own as when I am with others. 
acknowledging the areas that I am weak and asking God to help me become strong in those areas. Making yourself accountable to your pastor or spiritual leader in areas of weakness to help you gain self-control. How can I be honest with others? Always telling the truth. Not giving compliments with hidden motives. Refraining from gossip. Amen. A question for us to consider is, am I honest with myself and others? If not, why not? Amen. And next we go to N for nurture. Nurture means to care for and cultivate. And we can use this in life in general and in our spiritual walk. We need to nurture godly characteristics in our life. And holiness is one of those. How can I nurture holiness? Holiness, first and foremost, is a condition of the heart. God requires us to be holy. He said, be holy for I am holy. Holiness starts in the heart. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. What's in your heart will determine your actions. 2 Timothy 1.9 tells us that we have been called to, a whole, to live a holy life. Holiness is not just a standard of dress. Holiness is a way of living. Holiness is our motives, our attitudes. Holiness begins within. That was the one thing that Jesus struggled with the Pharisees. He said to them, you are like, you are on the outside, you are so white and pure, but on the inside, you are like dead men's bones. Don't be so concerned with the way you look to others, but be concerned of what's in here because God desires us to be holy in the inward parts, to cultivate holiness in my life. I need to plant seeds of love, compassion, mercy, goodness, gentleness, meekness, and nurture them through my life experiences and nurture them to see them grow in my life and bring forth fruit. Fruit trees bear fruit for the sake of the partaker. A tree doesn't eat its own fruit. In the same way, you and I bear spiritual fruit so that others, especially those who do not know Christ and don't have a relationship with him, they can partake of your spiritual fruit. And the Bible says that they can taste and see that the Lord is good. Amen. It is through the bearing of our fruit, our spiritual fruit, that others can be drawn to the Lord. Amen. So the reflection here or the question is, do I consciously plant good seeds in my life and nurture them? Amen. S is for surrender. This is hard to do in anyone's language. To discover who I am, I need to surrender to God. Surrender to him my will, my hopes, my dreams and my disappointments. If we think back to the Garden of Gethsemane and the anguish that Jesus went through, 
He said, if it were possible for this cup to pass from me, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Jesus surrendered his will to God's will. We don't know the end from the beginning, but God does. And when we come to trust the Lord, surrender comes easier. It's not easy, but it becomes easier. Many times in my life, I have uttered the words, Lord, I don't understand what is happening right now, but I trust you. Sometimes, more than a few times a day, I've repeated and said out loud, I trust you, God. Even when it's dark, I trust you, God. Even when it seems things can't get any worse, Lord, I trust you. If I had a good voice, and because I know my children would be embarrassed if I tried to sing, I won't sing these words, but speak them to you. Even when I can't see it, you're working. Even when I can't feel it, you're working. You never stop. You never stop working. Amen. God never stops working in our life. Amen. Hallelujah. Even when things go wrong and even when it seems the darkest, the Bible says that God is still there. God will still be working. And the Bible says that weeping may endure for a night, but joy does come. Hallelujah. Joy does come in the morning. Amen. In our society, surrender is seen as a sign of weakness, but not in God's vocabulary. Another word for surrender is submit. Submission to God is important for us to become the person that he wants us to be. We read in Romans 9, it says, Has not the potter power over the clay? We are clay in the hands of the master potter. God told Jeremiah to go down to the potter's house and see what the potter was doing. When he got there, the story is of how the clay surrendered to the potter for him to do what he liked with the clay. That takes trust. And you will never submit to God unless you trust him. In the natural, trust is built through experience, over experience through experience and time. Trusting God is the same. Through time, experience and knowing God, through his word, through his presence, trust is built. Study his reputation through the Bible. He said that he would never leave us nor forsake us, that he would be with us until the end of the world, that if he had begun a good work in you, be assured that he said that he is going to complete it or perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. That he is a God that can be trusted. That he is a God that is faithful to the end. That he is a just God. That he is a long-suffering God. Amen. Hallelujah. God will never force you to surrender your life or your will. Many times, we wonder why God, God doesn't intervene in a crisis that we are going through. Many times it's because we try and handle it in our own strength or wisdom rather than surrendering it to him to sort it out. It doesn't mean that we just sit back and do nothing, but we allow God to be in control. We want to be in the driver's seat rather than being the passenger and allowing God to do the driving. 
surrender surrender unto god submit yourself unto him the bible says a question for us to consider submission to god and his will is a daily choice do i do that amen i is for ideals we all have ideals of what we want to be and there's nothing wrong with that, with having dreams and desires. The Bible says in Psalm 37 verse 4, Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. God is not against you having them. In fact, he delights to please his children. And just as a parent, and it's even more so as a grandparent, I delight to please my children. How much more my heavenly father delights to please me. Amen. My granddaughter Ava the other day was using my calculator as, as a phone. So what did this grandmother do? I went on eBay and I ordered her a toy mobile phone. I can't wait until it arrives to give it to her and see the joy and the look of joy in her face. Her joy brings me joy. So consider that, how God feels about giving to his children. The Bible says in Matthew 7, 11, if you then being evil know how, how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father who is in heaven give what is good to them who ask him? The Bible says, ask and you shall receive. Knock and the door will be open. Seek and you will find. The Bible says it's your heavenly Father's good pleasure to give unto you. Amen. God desires to give us good things. Hallelujah according to his will to discover who i really am i need to examine my ideals and what my desires are are they in line with the word of god are they realistic have they been tainted by the media or what i allow myself to watch or read the bible says let this mind be in you which was also in christ jesus I ask God many times to align my will with his will, to align my mind with his mind. I want him to be in control of my life. Amen. So our question here is, do my ideals reflect godliness or God-likeness? The next one is B for Bible. Psalm 119 tells us that the word of God is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. The Bible is our guide for life. It is our GPS for life. To discover who I am, I need to read what the Bible says. If we were to stop eating physically, eventually we would die. And if we don't have a regular diet of the word of God, we will die spiritually or suffer from malnutrition. The Bible needs to be part of my every day. For many of us, the Bible and its promises is what we have based our whole eternity on. So why shouldn't it play an important role in our daily life? If you don't use a Bible reading plan, I encourage you to get one. The one-year Bible 
plans are excellent or the one-year Bibles. Many times I use one. I've read it year after year. And many times the, the Lord has spoken to me through my daily reading and it's been just what I needed for that day. God cannot speak to us through his word if we don't read it. In a book I was reading last year, I read about a, mission, a woman missionary who went into a remote part of China to visit believers in the underground church. She had uh, an interpreter with her. They travelled for hours by foot and ended up, to, ended up eventually at this old bar, small barn. And the place was packed with people. When she started ministering, every time she read a scripture and it was translated into Chinese, someone would stand up and say something in Chinese and then sit down again. It kept happening and it was different people every time. And she asked the interpreter what was going on. She was told that the believers revered the word of God so much that every time a scripture was read that they had memorized, they wanted to have the honor of saying it out loud, that they would stand up and quote it. That challenged me. That challenged me. Do I revere the word of God like they revere the word of God? Does it mean that much to me that it is what I need for my daily bread? So our question this evening for that is, do I value reading the Bible? Or is it just something I try and fit into my schedule? Amen. L is for love. If we read through 1 Corinthians 13, we see that love has to be the foundation of everything, of all things. As I said earlier, if we don't love ourselves, we need, before we can love others, we need to love ourselves. And there are some listening or watching tonight that sadly don't love themselves if they are really honest with themselves. God loves you unconditionally. Amen. God's love is what sent Jesus to the cross. And I've said this many times before, but I'm going to repeat it again. You cannot do anything to make God love you more or less. His love is unconditional. And we need to grab a hold of that tonight. That beyond anything else, if nobody else loves me, God loves me unconditionally. And that matters more than anything else. And anybody else that loves me is that God loves me unconditionally. Amen. You can be secure in God's love. His motives are always pure towards you and I. Hallelujah. Our question is, do I truly believe that God loves me unconditionally? Amen. And E is for expectations. We all have expectations from ourselves, from others, and even from God. It is important to explore what our expectations are. Many times this can save us disappointment and disillusionment, especially with others. Sadly, because they are serving God, some people expect God to do things for them 
or expect God to prevent tragedy occurring in their life. But that is not biblically sound. Read through your Bible. God didn't always deliver people out of their situation. Sometimes he did. When we look at Daniel, he was delivered out of the lion's den. But if we look at the three Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, they were not delivered. But what do we know? That God was in the fiery furnace with them. And we know that scripture in Isaiah. And it says that though we walk go through the waters that God will be with us. Wherever we go through the fire, through the flame, God will be with us. It doesn't mean that God is going to prevent things to happen in our life. But what it does mean is that God is there. Amen. That God walks it with you. He said in Psalm 23, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death and there is nothing more serious than death. It says, I will be with you. He is with us. Amen. Hallelujah. There is a reason and a purpose. If you are going through something right now and God, and God has not delivered you yet, but the Bible says there is no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God will make a way of escape. Why? So you can bear it. Amen. God is there walking with you. Hallelujah. Look for the way of escape that he is making. We may not know the reason, what the reason or the purpose, but you can be, be assured that God does. That can give us trust and that can give us security, knowing that God does. We need to have a belief system centered on truth. Unless I explore my expectations or my belief system, how can I discover if it is centered on the truth of God's word? My belief system or my expectations from life and others come from my family of origin and what I was taught as a child. If this was tainted or warped in any way, so are my expectations. Again, it is important to line it up with the Word of God. Through study and counselling with people, I believe that a majority of adult issues stem from child, unresolved childhood issues. Therefore, it is important many times to challenge beliefs that we have that seem to get us into trouble with others or cause us to do things that God is not happy with. So our question is, what are your expectations from yourself, from others, from God? And sometimes even our expectations of ourselves can be unrealistic or not biblically sound. You know, sometimes people talk to themselves, their self-talk is so negative. But the Bible says that we can speak life. We can speak life into ourselves, into, our, into others. But it's so important to be careful of the words that we speak in regards to ourselves. Hallelujah. So let's recap. The word responsible. Remember when we started, I said that I am responsible for me. 
my spiritual walk. I am responsible for me. There are others that help us. We have our church. We have our pastor and our leaders. We have Bible studies. We have all these things. But ultimately, when we stand before God, I am responsible for me. So R was for respect for others and ourselves. E was equipping, being equipped for God's purpose for my life. S, self-examination, knowing what is within. P is for priorities and what are they. O is for honesty, being honest with myself, with God and others. N is for nurture, cultivating godly seeds in my life. S is for surrender, yielding myself to God. I is for ideals, what do I believe? B is for Bible, our guidebook for life. L is for love, the foundation of it all. And E is for expectations from myself, God and others. And so here are the journal thoughts again. What boundaries do I have in my life? Do I look at each day as a new day for God to use my day-to-day experiences to equip me? When was the last time I examined my heart? What are my five top priorities in life? Am I honest with myself and others? If not, why not? Do I consciously plant good seeds in my life and nurture them? Submission to God and his will is a daily choice. Do I do that? Do my ideals reflect godliness or God-likeness? Do I value reading the Bible or is it just something I try and fit into my schedule? Do I truly believe that God loves me unconditionally? And what are my expectations for myself, others and God? So I encourage you tonight, explore who you are in Christ. This will give you renewed purpose. God has given each one of us a purpose in him. Our identity is secure in God. Our hope is secure in what Jesus did at Calvary. Hebrews 6 confirms this to us. That means that whatever happens around me, I am still secure in him. Whatever happens in the world around me, God is still there. I am still secure in him. I may lose the things around me, but I will never lose my anchor in Christ. Our identity in Christ is secure. Amen. Hallelujah. That's something to rejoice about. That is what I need to draw my self-worth from. From Christ, who I am in him. That is where the anchor of my life needs to be. Just as an anchor can, a small anchor can stop a massive ship from moving. That anchor of our soul, which is both sure and steadfast in Christ, is what will keep us until he comes back. Hallelujah. Let's just lift our hands right now, wherever you are. 
Hallelujah, hallelujah. God, we are thankful, O oh Lord, for the identity that we have in you. We're thankful for the security, O oh God, that we have in you and your word. We're thankful, O oh God, for the word that has challenged us tonight. I pray, Lord, for everybody under the sound of my voice. God, that they will take, Lord, what they have been, what they've heard tonight and study it, O oh God, and that they will be sure of their identity in you. How wonderful it is to stand strong in you and know who I am. I am who I am because I am said who I am. Hallelujah. God, we worship you tonight. Thank you for this time together. Thank you for everyone that has listened, oh God, or has watched tonight. I pray your blessings upon them. I pray your presence, oh Lord, to fill the house or wherever they are right now. God, that your presence will saturate them, that your anointing, oh God, will go, oh Lord, and break every yoke, Lord Jesus. We are thankful for your mercy and your grace tonight, Lord. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen.